Welcome to the New Street X podcast. Today, I have Michael Goche, the crypto jeweler CJ. He's pioneering the new sustainable business model for fine jewelry and global luxury brands through digital design and NFTs. He's launched the very first ever generative digital NFT jewelry collection in the world. He's got a lot of interesting knowledge and wisdom to share with us today. CJ, Michael, thanks so much for being here and welcome to the podcast. GM, GM, how you doing, Tony? Thank you so much for having me. Uh, pleasure to be here and thanks for the introduction. I'm excited about this conversation. Likewise, and let's just dive in. So tell me more about how you introduce yourself. Like, what do you do and what is your work and how do you introduce yourself? So I go by Crypto Jeweler. I started an online Web3 company, Crypto Jeweler, that releases digital NFTs as jewelry that are fully producible. So for the past nine years, I've worked as a senior designer for one of the largest jewelry manufacturers in the U.S. as a CAD modeler, somebody who's also did custom work to be able to take in a sketch or an idea and create it into a piece of jewelry that's then manufactured right there. And over the course of that time, I, I focused in my later years there on visuals and really making something photo real and something that is that when you see the product come out, it actually looks like the product that was digitally made. And I realized that as I saw jewelry sales online go more and more digital, more people buying engagement rings online, more people buying these other onlines, there's a huge, huge need for digital jewelry design that's that's for manufacture. And enter NFTs and light bulb, like, like what? This is the perfect segue to take these digital jewelry designs and actually attach a value to it and a, a level of exclusivity and ownership to that piece. And there started the idea for Crypto Jeweler. So as someone who is not an expert in jewelry at all, I just want to make sure I'm understanding a couple of things correctly, because it sounds like two of the main benefits of NFTs that sprung into your head as someone very experienced in, in jewelry and design was one, adding more value to the digital design of a piece of jewelry before it becomes actually a physical one. And the second is just adding like a layer of, I guess, scarcity to what would accompany a physical piece. Is that correct? Or... Yeah, correct. That's part of it for sure. I, I want somebody to be able to own and enjoy that digital piece and be able to take it with them in a metaverse or something to be able to use that in different metaverses, maybe in different games, what have you. But to have my pieces be able to be experienced digitally before they are made physically uh, or at the same time, um, you know, it. something that somebody who can't afford a, a $10,000 chain can purchase that chain for 60 bucks, 100 bucks, and then be able to play with it in game and they own it. So if at ever any point in time they wanted to make that chain, the only person that can make it is the person who has the NFT for it. So they would be the only person who can request that piece to be made too. So they can, they can hold on to that and know that they own that. And I think that's really cool. And so when you were inspired and you saw the whole sort of movement of NFTs, what could do with your first instinct did did you leave to create crypto jeweler immediately and what was like the game plan there what was the inspiration it wasn't long before i left my job to pursue that 100 of the time I, I was lucky enough to get invited to clubhouse in january i think december january of 21 
and there the conversation of NFTs were just kind of starting out. So people were wondering, like, what the hell is an NFT? Like, how do I use it? What's it good for? At the time, it was only art and mostly art, I'd say. But people were thinking and people were starting to realize like more and more potentials of that. And I just I couldn't get enough of it. The energy was just so electric, like people were talking about people from the dot com boom were talking about I haven't felt this type of energy since since back then. And I was just curious about it and then got just obsessed with it and then understood it. And everybody has that aha moment where they realize like what the potential for NFTs can do for society, for for business, for governance, what have you. Once I had that aha moment, I was like, okay, well, like I have to do this. And and I left my job and started to see how I could grow a jewelry company in, in Web3. And uh, that was the thinking. And I dropped one NFT, my first NFT. I called it the the Genesis Signet. And it was just this little Signet ring with the Ethereum symbol rotating around. And it like immediately sold because everything did back then. But people really enjoyed it, too. And they hadn't seen anything that was similar. And with that first signet, was the intention that you would drop an NFT and then the person who bought it and owned it would receive a physical version of that in the future? Or was it digital first, digital only? So I like both realms here, right? Currently, I'm only exploring the digital first, but producible later scenario, just to allow myself to be able to continue to grow a bit and and push stuff, not get bogged down too early before I can expand to the point where I can facilitate all of that. So the owning it digitally first and being able to use it in the metaverse has always been like the core of, of what I'm building. This is a digital realm. And I think that gaming is going to be, I mean, many people think that gaming is going to be one of the biggest parts and elements of, of this, especially at, at the earlier stages. So gamification of of digital assets is is largely part of why it's digital ownership first then producible and that's a really interesting point because i think i was telling you earlier that yesterday we were on a twitter spaces we were hosting one and we were talking about the idea of buying digital fashion and equipping yourself with it whether we're talking about different realms like in Fortnite, which has already happened, you know, Fortnite's already allowed skins and weapons and clothes for years now. Yeah. To the more newer metaverse worlds like Decentraland or Sandbox, which I'm not always sure that those will grow to super big scale, but still fine right. in the way it is. And also like the companies that are doing things like Ready Player Me, where you're building out like avatars for people and their companies that are building out just accessories for people. So I guess the, the question here is like the observation is that it sounds like you see the vision of how jewelry can be a part of that sort of ecosystem in the metaverse. And are, is anyone else doing this? Or at the very least, I'm sure you won't be the only one forever, but it's an interesting vision. I, I love what you're doing. Yeah, there's not really anybody that's done it on the level that I have. There are people that are starting to, and I fully encourage them and support them and if there's quite a few jewelers that are part of my community and one that I, I may even be working with in, in the future in a way, trying to help just send them either business or talk with them on, on design or, or what have you. There's only one other person that I believe is trying to jump in and that's uh, a, a jewelry, celebrity jewelry company in New York. They had a call with me about 
seven or eight months ago. And I just told them, you know, basically my thoughts and what I knew. I just, and now they're launching a project. So like, I, yeah. I like that. And it's so early, there's not really that competition. So you can promote and support other artists that are doing the same thing. And it's more eyes on that concept where, yeah, there's an explosion of PFP projects last year and avatar projects. And a lot of them are going to need not only content to continue to grow, but accessories and things that people enjoy and that people can experience is the key word. Experience is everything. That experience is going to be through fashion and through accessories like jewelry. So while it's obviously like an early world right now, like you see companies that are doing things like we spoke to someone yesterday who is taking people's PFPs, let's say a Clonex or something like that, like, like, and then allowing like building custom like clothing for your Clonex. So then when in a metaverse right. world, you can walk around with your own sort of outfit that you've built and discovered. And it's all still early emergent behavior, but it's just the beginning of that kind of behavior. Is this right. part of like the game plan for you, I guess, where like, once someone current, I guess, I don't know, is it possible right now? Like if I had bought one of your early NFTs, would I be able to wear it? Let's say if I had a board ape in a, any given metaverse or is that on the, the roadmap? It is on the roadmap, 100%. And I will say there are some collections like the generative collections, at least for now, they are convertible, but the resources that we're putting our time into right now, it's just not worth it to go that heavy yet. But there are item, every item that I have is completely 3D modeled myself. I have one other designer that helps me kind of do certain things with models to help them get ready for other processes, but everything's gameable. So I can convert any file to meshes that are going to be game ready, especially for Unreal Engine. Now that Unreal Engine 5 is out where I forget the system that they're using, but eliminates the, the problem for too many triangles. The way that it processes data, you can throw in millions and millions of triangles and, and not really worry about the density of it affecting your FPS. So that is a breakthrough where it'll allow more detailed pieces, which my jewelry is very detailed. So throwing it into Decentraland isn't going to do anything, you know? That's a really good point because I want people who are listening, but they can't see that your jewelry is like very intricate and realistic. It's not like cartoon jewelry. I think like it's not obvious people obviously just by listening to this, but if you go to Crypto Jeweler, Chains NFT, it is it looks as if it is high quality luxury jewelry that you could find in the real world, but just a sort of digital version of it. Yeah, it, it is high quality. And it is, I wanted to show that everything that I make is fully producible in gold and, and real diamonds and extremely valuable and in real life. And I hope that people who are getting the digital item, like resonate with it you know but yeah i think thank you i spent a lot of time developing the the visuals and the textures and how i process my models to get them to look as photo real as i do and it's one of the things that i take pride on the greatest is is that ability to visualize those things where people can connect with it a little bit deeper since it is digital you really need to have that as photo real as possible for people to get a deeper connection with whatever they're thinking about owning. If I could ask about the sort of, so you mentioned the first Genesis drop and then looking at your Twitter right now, I see like Chains NFT seems to be the big area of focus right now. Could you explain a bit more about what, what that project is and how that was an evolution from your first sort of Genesis NFT? Absolutely. So 
after the Genesis piece, I started on Rarible, released a couple of pieces there, which sold and, and then led me to create two more collections on OpenSea. My limited edition collection, which is a series of editions of five and 10, and then the limited fine jewelry collection, which is my one of one collection, I think has 14 or 15 pieces in it currently. I started off with the one of ones, then did some editions and kind of went back and forth. And in about October of last year, I met my business partner, Jacob, where he was building a project based in just out of IRL utility, concierge services and things, and was looking for somebody to make like a piece of jewelry to be a part of his, like just the image for it and told him about my story. And we said, well, why don't we just blend these projects into a super project and, and create a limited luxury brand from it? And, and boom, here comes Chains NFT, which was that first generative project. And we did some, I don't know if you know too much about what, what has happened with Chains since, since Mint, but it's been quite incredible. We took 170 people to the Dominican Republic and locked down, I think we had at one point like over 100 rooms. No, I'm sorry, we had 130 something rooms at the Punta Cana Hard Rock. Flew them all out there and put them up there for five weeks. All they had to pay for was their flight, but they had all-inclusive five days at the resort. That all the Chang gang, you know, we were there. It was incredible community building experience, and that was the solidification, I think, of our our community and something that was a part of anybody who owned ten chains was able to come on this trip and experience that. After that trip, we had our one of fifty-one event, where if you minted a certain trait in the chains nft collection which was the one of 51 trait then you received that actual chain worth anywhere from 10 to fifty thousand dollars in new york at our event privately and we did just that we took these holders and these these the winners of the one of 51s we actually flew them out to new york put them in a hotel through our concierge services put on a, a big dinner and we delivered we delivered chains to the people that came and and these are wow. These are full VS, 14 karat gold, solid gold, like serious pieces of jewelry. Our community was the first trip, community solidification. And this was the proof of concept of saying, not only are we building in this digital world and create really nice digital jewelry that can be used in the metaverse, but it is producible and it is producible on the highest levels of jewelry for things that that do have an incredible amount of value. And I think, you know, it, it was a large amount of money we spent on all of that, but I think very worth it in solidifying the brand as a serious brand that can produce some serious stuff. That is fantastic. I know Chains NFT, the launch wasn't that long ago, but what's your focus, I guess, moving forward? Is it just to kind of build upon that community? Is it, I don't know, new NFT collections in the future? Like where are you spending yes. most of your time looking to the future? So currently how we have our system, our tiered system set up in Chains NFT, depending on how many chains you own, you have a, a different tier. We have the base tier, which is one, two chains, gold tier, which is three to five chains, platinum, which is six to nine, diamond, which is 10 to 30 or 29, mega diamond, which is 30 to 49, and then legendary, which is 50 or more. I had to make legendary because people were starting to get 50 chains. So, wow. so the idea is that chains is the key 
to unlock everything in the future of Crypto Jeweler. And owning chains over time will give you free airdrops of jewelry, experiences that are part of the Crypto Jeweler ecosystem, as well as discounts on any item that they order physically. Depending on the tier that you are, the more discount you have. And currently our legendaries have, I think it's over a 25% discount on anything they order physically. So it's actually like close to at cost for us and something that could lead for them to do their own type of commercial solutions with crypto jeweler product as well. But so the idea that additional value and additional jewelry design will be we be given to them over time. And that's what our first airdrop was, was called Change Drop, where we dropped seven items. And depending on what tier you were, you were able to mint for free any of those pieces that were associated with you. If you were a Mega Diamond at the time that was the highest tier, then you were able to mint all seven, uh, I'm sorry, you were able to mint five pieces, but two of them were a choice. So gold and platinum tier was like a men's ring and a ladies ring. And then, so there was a little bit of rarity that was kind of given to those two like choices, which, which actually played out in how they, how they trade in secondaries and stuff. But it was a really good way to reward holders with producible jewelry that they can then use digitally if they want, or buy it physically and, 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 you know, rock the brand. A lot of the pieces are, are brand focused a lot with my logo in it on purpose to help just grow the identity of that, of that diamond logo. But change.v2 is coming up and same approach where depending on how many chains you own, you have items that are that are dropped to you. And that's going to continue to be four, be three, be four, be five, all the way to what the foreseeable future people who are holding 30 are going to keep getting eight pieces from each of these things on the bigger scale. Change drop is just the recurring airdrops that happen for our communities. But on the larger scale, you have our larger collections coming up like Signet and another collection called Memories, which is a memory pendant based collection where it's mostly round and rectangular or other memory pendants where you'll be able to, when you mint, kind of like a 10K TF thing where you mint the blank and then you can put your profile picture, your forever punk, ape, whatever on your memory pendant and that process either happens when you mint or when you purchase the physical and you decide what to put in there, uh, the metadata is changed and boom. But so Signet, Signet is kind of like a the sister project to Chains where there's similar elements and styles to the Signet rings. And although they're not like mutant apes, they're not going to get dropped to holders, depending on how many you own, you are able to mint up to three, I think Legendary might have five up to five free signets. Then after that, the mint price for the public sale will be full price at for public, but you're, the same percentage off that you get in our store will go off the mint price too. So you'll be able to mint additional for that additional off that your tier is a part of. Something that we're experimenting with how value is is driven to holders and something that's repeatable over time through multiple collections, multiple things that are going to come out. And one last thing about Signet, it's not going to be a 10,000 piece collection. It's not going to be labeled as a as a certain number. I don't expect to 
I don't really know what to expect in terms of how many are going to mint, but it doesn't matter because it's a collection. I'm going to release it as a limited open mint. It's going to be open for three days or what have you. At the end of that period of time, that's it. That's the collection. Whatever the interest is, what people want to buy it, if if less buy it, then it's then it's more rare. If more buy it, then there's a lot more people to go off of and a lot of a lot of new product that people can enjoy. So it's not a there's no pressure on anybody to sell it out or or to try to hit a certain number. And it's going to be based for our holders. So it's it's going to be fun. Yeah. It sounds like you really thought through the different ways someone will receive value by owning these NFTs. And it's like a fairly sophisticated thought process that clearly you also have a lot of passion for. I'd love to know maybe the inspiration from years ago of where you're, how did you even get into jewelry? And how did you get into this this industry? And and what other passions might have led you to this? Because it sounds like to me, you're obviously a designer, very passionate, but you also thought very, you thought through the structure and machinations of how you build this program as well. Absolutely. I mean, community is everything in this space and even community is everything for growing brands. Like, And finally, you have a way that community can kind of grow with a brand. So yeah, I, I focus heavily on community and how to continue to deliver to them. And so that is definitely like the number one focus. How I started in this was yeah. I have a degree in industrial design and uh, did a lot of freelance work for product design, doing anything from plastic enclosures to, oh man, sport water bottles, watches, PCB, light up wristbands, and you name it, all across the board. I did a couple of jewelry projects in between, but in Lafayette, Stuller is the name of the manufacturer I used to work for. And they're in my backyard, like 10 minutes from my house. And I was like, damn it, I'm going to probably work here one day. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's a great place to work, honestly. It had all the benefits at the time. And, you know, I was thinking about getting married soon and wanted to just. So I, I went for it and I was like, I'll, I'll go for four years, learn as much as I can about jewelry and then start my own thing. I've always wanted to do have my own you know, business run, create for myself. And um, eight years later, that's when I started to really think about, okay, what's next? And then boom, NFTs happened around year nine. And, and that's, that was history. But I got a passion for jewelry. I, I did it for quite a while. And that became just most of what I know. And, and I've loved being a part of it. It's, it's been really fun. Custom engagement rings are one of my kind of favorite things to do. And what I did a lot on the side while I was at Stellar to just as something that could further develop me as an artist and something I could, you know, a little side gig as well. But I did work with uh, celebrity jewelers in New York, like Aviani, some stuff with Eliante. There's pieces on all kinds of celebrities that I've done that would never know it's me. And, you know, th that's okay. They're, they're a business doing their thing. And uh, I worked under them. Like, I'm totally cool with that. But now it's like, now I get to do it. And, and actually, they, they know who made that piece. And they can see that and, and enjoy that. So I'm fascinated to know how the traditional jewelry industry would think about this. Like what I mean, clearly the fact that you're one of the first, if not the first person to make NFT jewelry, clearly it's not a common practice. So with a traditional jewelry company, are they skeptical? Do they think this like cheapens the brand and the product? Is it 
a mixture of emotions and opinions. Like what, what's your, your read on that right now? I don't think there's really enough people in, in the jewelry industry that know about NFTs. And if they do, they don't know them in the sense of business. They know them in the sense of these avatars and, and other scams type projects, rugs, what, what have you. But traditionally, the jewelry industry lags behind in technology by quite a few years from every other industry. There's a lot of mom and pop stores throughout the U.S. and all over. And uh, it's getting harder and harder to compete with larger companies who are designing, starting to design digitally and promoting digital product. And it's really impossible to compete with that. And uh, any jewelry brand owner, uh, store owner that I've talked with and explained a little bit, their mind kind of is like, like, what? How do I? How? So it's an exciting time for any any person in jewelry to to dive a little deeper into NFTs. If if they know how to how to enter correctly, it's a huge opportunity for any jewelry business to to elevate their brand. Does the creation of NFTs make it easier? For a smaller jewelry brand to compete against a bigger brand because economies of scale are less important and i guess the cost of production is is lower in a digital realm and then distribution's easier right overhead and inventory are the number one things that just destroy companies that's why you see jewelry stores have 70 percent off uh and you see 70 percent off what are you marking your stuff up at for you to be 70 percent off and like come out even or something and it's true i mean the costs associated with running a brick and mortar like that, your prices are marked up by three to 600%, even more sometimes. So it really like, it's a burden that not only hurts the, the company, but it hurts the customer as well. And that's why sales are going online because they're going direct to manufacturers who are offering it for a third of the price. So that has a, a huge way for them to be able to produce whatever designs they want. If they want to come out with their own collection, they can. They want to come out with what have you they can and produce it digitally and allow people to put it on, you know, put it on their store, allow people to purchase it and make it have it produced whenever it's ordered. So you don't have to spend the money on the inventory, the overhead to, to have it and what have you all associated with it. You can you can throw it out there and only produce it once it's bought. Yeah, I was going to say, like, can you like front run the production and financing, like in a way, like, let's say, for example, I were to release 10,000 jewelry necklace uh, NFTs. And the promise being, if you buy one similar situation, you'd receive a physical version after the NFT, and there'd be some sort of community element and, and more utility behind that. But let's say the manufacturer that I'd be using to make those necklaces I could use the money that I've received from the NFT to then create production. So it's kind of like, I'm trying to figure out how to describe this, but it's kind of like a, like an e-com brand in a way, but at a higher luxury end perspective where you have like float to actually finance the manufacturing that comes from the NFT sale. Is that a, the right way to look at it? Correct. Right. You could approach this from so many different angles. That's what makes it interesting. And it all makes sense is what the crazy part is, is that that each one of these angles has its benefits in its own right. And when we find the way <laughs> to educate anybody who's looking at a piece of mine and saying like, what does this mean for me? You know, when that can be put together in a, in a cohesive way and people 
fully understand like what it means, I think it's going to kind of that mentality, that understanding is going to kind of take over. Because imagine in a jewelry store, an, an engagement ring, right? That is part of my collection. Maybe there's a hundred of them. They're super exclusive, yet they're dished out as selling solutions and along with other things to jewelry stores who do have brick and mortar. Because most of the items in there, maybe you include one or two items of physical crypto jeweler pieces, but the rest are digital. If I'm a guy walking into a store, I may not even have a girlfriend and I might be like, damn, I love, or it's a girl. And they're like, I love that ring. Like, that's my wedding ring. That's what I'm going to, and they can buy, they can buy the digital right there for a hundred bucks or whatever, whatever it may be. And then they own it. Like if they get married and they want to, they're like, I, I want this ring now. Like, boom, they can pay to have it made. They can go to the website where it's from. If it's me, if it's whoever and set it up to where they're like, now I want it. And let's say you take half of the cost of the purchase to take off the price if it's minted from the actual physical. If not, then it's just saying, okay, you own it. Now you want to produce it? Cool. And only you have that right to do it because you own it. So they can lock it down for a much smaller price and allows the sale for us to have revenue before production, as well as knowing that by exclusivity, of that, that your brand carries the value, they'll want to produce it with you um, when they've seen your work before and know that it's high quality. Yeah, I would imagine that this is really good for sort of increasing the number of independent jewelers to have a sustainable business because they don't need the infrastructure of a bigger company because of the benefits of the sort of digital NFT element, like like you just described, which is great because I'd imagine a world where, I don't know, like, 10 years from now, five years from now, designers have more commercial opportunity and independent brands can just not need the infrastructure of a bigger company. It could be more sustainable without that. Right. The hardest part, though, is that, especially for fine jewelry, where you're dealing with a lot of diamonds, a lot of like precious materials and things, there's not many CAD modelers out there that understand how to build that right now and if you are one they're looking to hire you at all kinds of companies because you can't find them you can't find good ones and stellar kind of like breeds a rag on their team they're the best team in the world bar none they're at the highest level of technology as far as understanding that process and producing for manufacture with precision and repeatability with without error kind of thing and uh that like teaching people is going to be a, a hurdle, but I, I think as time goes on, more we'll we'll start to know how to how to design for that fine jewelry, and it'll grow. Yeah, and and also maybe I'm being idealistic here, but I'm kind of drawing parallels with what you're saying. Not enough talent in CAD modeling, with just how like software engineering works, right? Like dearth of talent in software engineering, but there are two factors that I think make that problem go away ish in the longer term. One more people would just get trained because there's more incentive, right? Like, like if I was 16 right now and I realized that the value of being a, having CAD modeling skills, then maybe that increases the number of people that would go to school and learn those skills. And there's an incentive for people to provide the education, whether it's, I don't know, at school or in other realms. And the second thing is, just like with software engineering, the technology changes, right? So like the idea of being a software engineer in 1995 versus now, now, I mean, like no offense, software engineers, but a lot of their job they can get done by Googling much more than the sort of 
hard coding ones and zeros in the 90s, right? So I'd imagine, and this is kind of going out of my expertise here, but I'd imagine that the software to do modeling just becomes more user-friendly, just like how now no code allows someone to build websites and tools more than 20 years ago. And it's incremental. It's not like obviously software engineers are still valuable, but does that same thing apply for for the sort of 3D design digital skills? Kind of. It is getting better. Absolutely. And, And the tech is improving, but there's a learning curve, not just with CAD work, but when you're building in CAD to understand the tolerances and the practices that you need to build with in order for your piece to be produced. For instance, every piece of mine, I place most of them, most of the diamonds one by one. I place all the prongs and I check all the prongs have to be a certain level. The diamonds need to be spaced by a certain amount. Your metal thicknesses need to be at least a certain thickness, not just for 3D printing, but for casting and for polishing to know how to add thicknesses where you know it's going to get hit by a buffing wheel versus when you're, you know, prong setting a, a larger stone of how high you want to set it above other stones with other prongs and where you want your seat. There's so many different things that although most people understand in the jewelry industry, understand jewelry itself, they or modeling or, or what have you to combine it. It's a it's a much harder skill set to have a total understanding and something I wouldn't have a total understanding yeah. if I didn't work at the manufacturer, you know, which is kind of gave me a, an advantage, I guess, out the gate to to have that understanding, but something that I hope and I think that many more people in this industry will kind of move towards is, is understanding that full process. Totally. Well, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on, you know, we've talked about this sort of large Venn diagram of fashion, jewelry, NFTs, and all the different ways that Web3 affects it from, I mean, just like we can name all the different things we've, we've gone through, but what are some experiments or projects or companies that you've seen that you get excited about in the world of like digital, if we want to use that term, we use another term. I know we, we briefly spoke about the the Tiffany CryptoPunks example. I don't know if you want to talk about that or if there are other ones too that you are particularly intrigued by. Yeah, I love Artifact. I love what they're doing. Artifact is a great project where they've blended digital and physical quite well before Nike was introduced. Now Nike's in, involved and and that's going to be a huge opportunity for that brand to have a whole new avenue of collectibles digitally and physically. And uh, something that you're going to see probably trading in something like New Street where, uh, you know, where you have like a that connection there. The Tiffany's drop, I think, is is just as important, even at the 30 ETH price point, it is something where the company decided that it makes sense for them to drop the NFT right now. It makes sense for them in this bear market to to introduce NFTs to their global brand. I mean, Tiffany's is huge. And for them to do that, the time they did for the price they did, that was a statement. And uh, I think it brought a lot of attention to the jewelry industry and most definitely was a, a clear example of uh, what anybody could do in the jewelry industry to drop a jewelry pendant tied with an NFT. I mean, the light bulbs at all the major casting houses and all the major jewelry brands went off. If they didn't know what NFTs were, they paid attention to that Tiffany's drop, no doubt. It's a very exciting time and there's so much more happening. Kind of a 
a lighthearted question here too. Well, maybe not lighthearted, but I, something I just thought of as we were talking earlier, like all the celebrity jewelers, like I'm familiar with like Ben Baller and all the sort of custom jewelry he makes for some like celebs. And I also recently watched Uncut Gems, you know, where Adam Sandler is like a kind of, you know, jewel dealer. Uncut Gems is actually filmed partly at Aviani. <laughs> no, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. That's amazing. I started thinking like, if we get to a world where someone's digital jewelry is as important in some ways as their physical do you think that there's like a room for like just like how ben baller's kind of established a brand as as like creating jewelry for celebrities in the physical world do you think there's a world where someone maybe it's you maybe it's other folks too, become like the celebrity jeweler for the metaverse 100 percent, and i totally hope to be a part of that you know i, I think that those same kind of realms will exist for Ben Baller and, and Johnny Dang and all of them, you know, in real life. And there'll be multiple that supply the metaverse with that stuff. And I, I 100% plan to be a part of that and plan to be in that pack on, on leading leading the way, basically. I have a Gucci Link diamond necklace that's actually coming out soon on a project that's going to be on a Clone X. And it's just going to get dropped to everybody who who's a part of that project as a as a free piece that they're going to be able to go and just run around right now in the Monaverse, but on a BDRM avatar that can be plugged into other metaverses. So it's the first step in really showing a pretty complicated, complex piece in a engine like Unity, Unreal, and allowing people to go and run around and experience it and, and play with it. So it's the start of putting a lot more pieces in there and, and starting to play around with that. So I know that it'll become a thing. I mean, if you could play any game, Call of Duty or Fortnite and have a crypto jeweler chain, you know, or, uh, you know, something that's what have you, like any game really that's interoperable in Web3, I can make one asset and convert it multiple times for multiple engines and make it available to any game that wants to have it a part of it when we're connected in that way. So it's so, so early stages to what that story is, but no doubt it's going to be, it's going to be massive. That is wonderful. I look forward to this exciting future ahead. And thank you for your, for taking the time. I've got two last questions here that I ask uh, every person. First is where can people find you on social media or website, et cetera? And the second is, do you have one last message you'd like to leave the audience? You can find me socials. My Twitter is where I'm at mostly at Crypto Jeweler. Our website is CryptoJeweler.io. My project on OpenSea is Chains NFT. You can find our, our Chains NFT Twitter as well. And Instagram is at the crypto jeweler. And uh, if I had one message to anybody that's listening in, I, I'd say that if you're an artist, if you're a builder, if you're just a thinker, if you're whatever, and you're in Web3, you're in the right spot and don't give up. If you're thinking about building anything, do it. Obviously, go f- do it in in a in a way that doesn't, you know, you don't throw all your cards on the table at once. But like, if you're seeing opportunity in Web three, there's a good chance there is opportunity there. And for anybody who's kind of disheartened by certain events where crypto drops or whatever happens, like it, if you ignore that and and focus on whatever it is you want, anything's possible. Manifest is the word. And something that I, I truly think like 
we manifested a, a global jewelry brand out of nothing, you know, and that's like, that's the, the drive to say like, I want to do this and I'm going to do it and I'm not going to stop until it happens. And I did. And, and here it is. And that, and I've seen that happen for so many people who just don't give up. They have an idea and they're passionate about it. You have to be passionate about, about it. But if you're passionate about it, go for it and, and don't let anybody tell you that you can't do it or that, you know, it's not possible because it is. I love that message so much more than you realize. So I want to say thank you <laughs> once again for delivering thank that. You. Thank you for a great conversation and look forward to keeping in touch on all this that you're doing. Thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. Um, and I'd love to continue this conversation anytime you want. Thanks for listening to the New Street X podcast. You can learn more about Michael, the crypto jeweler in the show notes and learn more about New Street at newstreet.com. Make sure to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.